Welcome to a Night Shift Football Podcast Red Edition. Here we go. Another disappointing home result for Adelaide United. We we get, we came in last week, we sat here and we tried to talk about the loss to Central Coast at home, an absolute battering. And in the end, we realised it's probably not worth it. It's just all going to be a bunch of whinging about this team and about, about what's going on. But this week, I think we have to. We played Perth at home. Perth, who were, were they bottom heading into this one? Um, not the second bottom. Cooper's shaking his head at me. Cooper and Tommy are here. Say hi, guys. Hey, Sam. Oh, listen to that. Hello, Tom- friends. <laughs> Tom says friends. Love that. Um, yeah, and we, I don't know, we go into this one. Second bottom at home, we find ourselves 2-0 up and, and don't get a result. We get the draw in the end. It feels like a loss still. I want to open this conversation with uh, asking, I'll go to you first, Cooper. Where are you at with Carl Veer after this couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, personally, personally, I think Carl's done. If, if if there's no form of turning this around and getting into the top six and, and being a finals team at this point, um, I think Carl Viet's time is finished. This is his uh, fourth season in charge of the club and he is uh, on par as our least successful manager with one of our longest tenures as a manager. Um, he hasn't won a single trophy um, in an era where an extra trophy in the Australia Cup exists as well, um, which a lot of our prior managers, like obviously Cozzy and whatnot, didn't have the Australia Cup. So their lack of success was just purely based on league football. Um, but it's just so disappointing. The guy, he's got no plan B. Um, I said to you walking out of the stadium that 2-0 up was, it was, it was excellent to be 2-0 up and we should have won from there. But once we got to two all, there was a 25 minute period where we just were laughing at how past the glory actually were, <laughs> but there yeah. was absolutely no tactical change, nothing that we could do on the park to, to break them down or score a goal. We didn't look like we were going to score a goal apart from when Nesta came on and put a few close. Um, but that I, I said to you walking out, I think maybe that's, that's where we're at is that teams are actually happy to, to let us have the ball because we've we've gotten to a point now under under Viet where teams are so aware that we're tactically inept as a team and Viet doesn't have a plan B that they're going to let us have the ball because they're confident we're not going to do anything with it and that's what happened in this game every time the Glory had the ball you know they probably could have scored four or five in this game they had the disallowed goal um, and then Taggart had a couple of really good chances uh, I remember specifically remember that header from about six yards where it was on side and we knew we got away with one but just yeah just they looked like they were going to score and we had it and outside of the first 20 minutes and a lucky goal real late we didn't and it's just properly disappointing mm. Tommy? That's, um, it would be a ballsy move um for um stats to tell ollie sale to deliberately kick the ball out as often as he did to just give give it back to Adelaide. They're not going to punish us, lads. Just keep kicking it out. Don't worry about it. It's all G. Just with Carl personally, I like him. I do like him as a guy. I think he's I think he's a good, he's been definitely a good mentor of these young guys coming through. And his success isn't going to translate to trophies or finals appearances even. It's going to be the guys that he has given an opportunity to who have yeah. become Socceroos, who have gone overseas and who will hopefully make their mark on the football landscape over the next 10, 15 years. But he definitely lacks. And whether or not this is entirely his fault, because, I mean, we don't have yeah. that killer investment that puts in those two or three Mariners players that we were talking about last week 
that gives you, you know, the credentials to go on and actually win anything. But outside of that, he doesn't make the most of what we have because we still have a side that mm. is head and shoulders better than Perth Glory. And we should never be in a situation where we're chasing a game against these guys. Yeah, it's got me wondering now about our squad, whether whether it really is or not, to be honest. Um, I think over the, the time with Carl, like, obviously not been a horrible manager. And I don't think... None of this has come about now really for me purely because of the Central Coast result or this Perth result. It's almost yeah. now just like – it's not that this season is going so horribly um, that it's on him, but it's more just the time period. Is it just time to freshen it up now and just do something yeah. different, you know? Otherwise, we're going to keep – you know, Carl could – well, we could well bounce back. We could make finals and get to a semi again and lose. Like it's such a big possibility in this league and we've seen what our best football can do and what our worst football can do. And the same with every other team in this league. And I think we've seen how even it is across the board if, you know, if the top team is having a you know bit of an off day and the other team is at their best, it's it's a really even league this season. Um, and that is partly why we find ourselves sliding each week. Uh, when if you're not at it, you're just gonna slide so quickly and out of in a league where you only have to finish in the top half to make finals, it's really disappointing to be where we are right now. And I think just purely for the case of freshening it up. I think a change at the end of this season would be nice. I don't know if they will. They, I don't know there's, what the go is, but there's two years left on Colby. It's contract. Yeah, and if he I, doesn't personally decide to walk, he will see those out. I yeah, think they're not going to pay stay. for him to leave. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, I, I'm not going to be outraged by it if he does stay. I do yeah, think it probably neither. is time to go, but I don't like. What other options are there? Is all like I don't know. Milligan, it's a tough one. <laughs> Personally, I'd I'd like to see from obviously you can't now, but from next season onwards, I'd like to see Colby take the cup a little bit more seriously because the the FFA Cup or now known as the Australia Cup is something that a lot of people see as potentially a minnow trophy, but for a smaller market club like Adelaide United, it's given the supporter base and and the state a lot of joy. This competition to be able to 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 win a trophy, and there has been probably the last two or three years where. Carl's failed to win any silverware. There's been a couple of really prime opportunities to take it a bit more seriously and get to finals and 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 give yourself an opportunity to get there. Do we not take it seriously? We just we I don't just... think so. We've played we have played under Carl Veer. We've played some seriously inexperienced young lineups at early points of the Oz Cup and gone out in, in second or third rounds. Mm, I think we've looked we've looked seriously underdone in some of those games as well. Was it there? Was it? This year, who did we get knocked out by this year? It was we, an A-League team. lost to the Wanderers 5-0. That's right. And we just looked like underdone is the word for it. and Ooh, Well yeah. underdone. Um, oh, yeah. We were not ready. And we saw a lot of the cracks in the team that I guess we're seeing again now. Uh, if we talk about the game on the weekend, I guess we've rocked up seeing this lineup. Kikianis holds his spot, which I think we knew he was, was fair to do, um, having been thrown in against Central Coast last week. I don't know if I want to put this game on him, but... Again, just our holes at the back and our inexperience. I think we were all surprised to see uh, Cavallo start, Alligate start, um, and kind of going back to that 4-3-3. Yeah, yeah pretty it's well. an odd one, isn't it? Is it more of a 4-2-3-1? I, I couldn't figure it yeah, out. That's, but... a, that's a 4-3-3. Yeah. A, a little bit of both, and there was a little bit of... Um... 
a little bit of something from Carl in this in terms of uh, Zach Clough played on the same side as Giuseppe Bovolina in this team. Um, and we noticed that Zach Clough took up a lot more of a central position than Josh Cavallo did. And Bovolina went up and down that flank and almost played as a winger and a fullback for 90 minutes. Whereas on Cavallo's side, he kept his width and they didn't ask Ryan Kiddo to go back and forth all day. So I don't know whether that was a, hey, we need to go back to this yep. shape. But there's a way that we can we can keep Zach central and and have him be effective in the position some, that, somewhat that central. Claimed, yes, um, mm. and and it I conserves it conserves kiddo too. Yeah, and for a period of time this worked. Um, early on for the first twenty minutes we looked untouchable, and I remember saying to Tom, "We're gonna we're gonna win this game four 0 aren't we? And we're gonna go <laughs> we're gonna go on the podcast on Monday night, and we're gonna say, hey, this new Colviet shape worked like we did with the four triple two. But at that point, oh, but it was just Newcastle, and then we went, oh, but it was just Perth Glory. Um, mm. and then in the second half we saw how potentially this shape and this tactic could fall apart, and if a team like Perth Glory are gonna pick this shape apart, then it's probably not the shape to continue with. Yeah, no, definitely. No. Um, yeah. I thought on the guys that came in, like shape-wise, we can talk about it all the time. Carl, I don't think Carl knows what is the best formation to get the best out of this unit. And I don't think these guys, we've changed it so much now. And it's like, it's not having a plan A, plan B. We're kind of just, like you said in the previous one, you're just throwing enough shit against the wall and hopefully, hopefully it sticks at a certain point. And it's not doing it. Um, but I thought Josh Cavallo in this game was impressive enough again, maybe to warrant yeah, another so. start. I'm yeah. not, I still don't know what his best position is. I, uh, I, I quite like Josh Cavallo out wide because I think he puts some really good balls into the box. I think his crossing ability is quite underrated and having him out there can be handy for us, especially if we're going to start utilizing Hiroshi in the air like we have in previous weeks. Mm. One thing that's, Stands out to me is now. I'm not just saying this because he missed a pen, but Stefan Mork. I know we're all pretty keen to sign him, and he is probably an experienced centre midfielder that we did need. Is he good enough for us to be putting him as the ten and nullifying who was our best ten this season so far? And Zach Clough, you know, given the form Zach Clough was in as a ten at the start of the, uh, for the first part of the season, we kind of we we kind of lost that from him in the change of shape, which we had to do. We had to change shape and do something um, to bring the rest of the team into it, which we did. But now if we're going to go back to this, do we really want to see Clough wide? I know he was kind of inverted a little bit more because Bovelina was pushing so high. But, you know, for the sake of, like, for Ethan Alligitz, who hasn't really been on the radar for Carl a lot this season, all of a sudden comes in and plays in that centre mid spot next to Izzy when it could have been... Mork and Izzy, a very experienced centre mid pairing with Clough in front of them. Um, together. And we've we've seen Carl play Ethan on the wing before, plenty as yeah. well. Um, it just I, that really caught me off. I thought it was a bit baffling, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think part of this was because Carl went into a press conference. I actually made a joke to Tom that I don't know if this was just a rational Carl and he was getting angry talking about the previous week's game and went, fuck it, and told the media he was going to swing the axe and then went back to Millsy and went, yeah, so I just told Channel 10 we're making six changes. So let's make changes. Watch this fire side game closely. Who do you like? Um, yeah. But no, nah, for me, I thought Ethan was okay in this game. And yeah, I, sure. I think it's, I think Ethan has a bright future in the A-League and potentially for United, and I'd like to see him play games. Um, but I would next week, I would like to see um, us stick with this shape 
play it as a more natural 4-3-3, though. I would start Nesta out on that right-hand side. I think he was good enough off the bench to warrant coming back into the starting 11. I would mm-hmm. move Zach back into that real central 10 where we've seen him play his best football. You know, Zach is a central 10 in the 4-3-3 early this season. We were talking for the first six weeks, you know. He's in Johnny Warren form, and he was for the first six he weeks. Um, I'd like to see him put back in that slot, and then you move Stefan Morg back next to Izzy and and give him a chance in what probably is a more natural position for Steph. When we we won the championship with Steph, he was a box to box midfielder, and his last stint with Adelaide United, he was a box to box midfielder, not a ten. Um, so I would like to see it played that way, and just and just see how it goes. It makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Um, I think if you're going to play, I like the idea of having Kiddo a little bit deeper. Don't make him have to chase back if we turn the ball over and attack. You can have Cavallo then, who is a little bit, he can come inside or he can play a little bit wider. He's got a lot of space out there. If you're going to have a guy on the right-hand side play inside of Bovelina bombing on, I think it's going to end up being Harry van der Sarg, who, if I'm not mistaken, started out wide right fast when he first signed. Yeah, um, I think that would be, and then you move Clough centrally, you've got Izzy and Morg playing uh, alongside each other in midfield. I think that is where you actually find some balance finally. Um, and if not, Harry, just put Luca out there because you know he's going to naturally want to come inside anyway. Doesn't offer a much protection for Bob, which is going to be difficult in that sense. But, you know, if you're going out and try and win a game or bury a Perth glory side that you tune up against, that might have been a little bit of a better option from the beginning. Yeah. If I can swing it around now to the downfall. So we find ourselves 2-0 up. They find their way back into the game. Taggart scores again. He's having a great season. Great striker. I really like him. Um, oh, this, this three goals in a row that we concede. Obviously, Delianov has not covered himself in glory on a couple of these. He's not had a great night. He's had a, a, just, he's had a poor night. I don't think he's the only one that should be dying on that hill, though. That back four... Well, the team in general, I guess, the way we get ripped apart so easily after the ball breaks down in midfield a couple of times, you know, and leaving Bob, is this just some of these goals, a lot of them coming from breaks down that that left side, so our right. Is this just this is what happens if you've got like Kikianis, a fresh center back with a scholarship right back who is not and I I love Bovelina. I think we all do. We all really like Bovelina, but you know, he's still pretty suspect and young and raw. And, and the A-League is a different kind of, it's not MPL as much as people think it's barely above MPL. It, it's, it is a different level. Uh, and he's just, we're just so easily exposed there at the moment. The back four issues, we talked about them last, last week. But yeah, just the chances just came too easily and everyone just had too much space once again. We've, that's something we've talked about with the last, the last three losses. The I'd last like two to- losses in Perth. I'd just like to clarify on, on the, the goals coming down the Bovelina side. I think this is less about Giuseppe Bovelina and more about the the shape and the tactics that Carl Viet's playing with this team that we just spoke about in terms of not wanting to play a natural wide player out on the right and trying to bring Zach Clough as central as we could and asking Bovelina to go up, down, up, down, up, down when Kiddo was holding his ground and Cavallo was holding his width. Perth are a, a professional football team and Alan Statchich is a great manager. They're going to recognise that there's a hole being left by the tactics that Adelaide United are deploying on that side and they're going to attack down that side and there was just so many things that like you said maybe we needed to patch that up maybe we just needed to go look Zach we know you've been so effective central but you're going to have to play wide because Bovelina needs to be more defensive or make a change put Zach more central bring Nestor on and then be more defensive on that side 
Um, mm. But there's so many things that, good like, you can see during the game, and I just don't know if 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 Carl and Millsy or if they're seeing them or they're not seeing them, and if they are seeing them and they're relaying the message to the players, but the players aren't good enough to to cover these things. But up in the to stands, react. we are. Sam, you noted to me, you said, hey, watch this next goal kick. Perth are making a massive hole just short of where you'd usually think a keeper would be able to reach off a goal kick and just leaving it for Adam Taggart. And he's coming in, receiving the ball. He's too strong for Ben Warland or too strong for Paniotis Kikianis. They did have three or four goal kicks in a row. And then when yeah. they brought David Williams off the bench, they sort of rotated him into that role. And the uh, the Rawlins goal in this game came from exactly that. Um James Delianov should have saved it. He didn't cover himself in glory with this moment, but neither did 11 other players on the pitch because this is something that people that play and coach amateur football in the grandstands are seeing for 25 minutes and then it happens and it causes a goal. David Williams took this ball down and he had two or three seconds to pick a pass and then they went through that gap that Bovalina's leaving and, you know, it comes back across the face and unmarked and Rawlins scores. And it's just so poor. There has to be, whether it's on the coaches on the sideline not seeing that or the players having that message relaying relayed to them and not being good enough or not being switched on enough to cover these things, but something's not right there. All of the goals I felt like that we conceded were things that you could nullify on the training pitch. I mean, two of them come from corners, which just nothing shits me more. The first one, Warland just loses Taggart. I mean... He gets thrown off a little bit because there's a flick on, uh, which kind of presents it to to tags a little bit easier than him. But yeah. even still, he's so he'll do that near. as well. Though he will find he, space. He'll do that. He's good. Yeah, he will. Yeah, ghosting into the back post like that. But he's nowhere near him, so you're not. Yeah. He's not marking the run. He's not getting tight, nor is he trying to intercept the ball in any way because he's not read the play. So that really shit me. The second one, you know, you talk about Delianov. He's come to claim a ball, has missed it. It spills. Okay. That's going to happen occasionally. There's a lot of bodies in the way. Um, you know, maybe I, I wasn't too critical of him having to save that coming back across. I know there was a few people around us that were quite irate that it's gone underneath him, but that kind of thing's going to happen. And when you've got a super sub like uh, Williams, who just cannot help himself but score, uh, help himself to a goal when he comes off the bench, all credit to him, fine. But that third one that you've just illustrated, by God, I've like, if I wasn't. So it was so like, we were just laughing. Like we said at the top of it, we we're just laughing by that point because you could see that it was going to come. Yeah. And all of these things are training ground moves. All of these things you can nullify in the game or you should be working on building up to it. And that does relate back to this whole, what do we do with Carl thing right now? We're just just splitting the same hairs that we've been splitting all season. It's yeah. uh, it, it's it's an interesting thing, the the whole Carl's going to swing the axe and obviously the axe was swung and a lot of changes were made and a three-all draw with Perth Glory is going to make it seem like the axe being swung was a failure. But I said to you in the stands, Tom, that uh, what clicked to me was that we are... we were two nil up and pretty well in cruise control. We conceded. We didn't look like conceding. And then obviously you said that you'd be spewing as a coach that flick on off the corner that we shouldn't have given away. And then Taggart, Warden loses Taggart and he scores such a simple tap in at the back post. But for we should have scored again before Perth uh, scored the equaliser in this game. Mm. But we were pretty well outside of not being able to score, pretty well in cruise control. And Perth didn't look like they were going to hurt us at any point up until that Williams goal on the counter. Um, which came right after we made multiple substitutions and went okay, away yeah. from the, the changes that were made and back to the players that have been playing and not succeeding in the previous weeks. And <laughs> the I know normies, that, as you uh, called them. And, and, you know, Nestor Irankundri is 18 years, just gone 18 years old now. So he's not uh, he's not a senior player, 
But, you know, he's got more A-League starts than some of these guys that were that were on the pitch. And Ben Halloran as well, I thought was, man, I'm sick of bashing this guy, but deplorable <laughs> off the bench for half an hour again. I made a comment to someone, he came on 18 minutes earlier than Luka Jovanovic, and I never, ever, ever want to see Ben Halloran on, a, on the pitch for Adelaide United again before Luka Jovanovic is on the pitch. He is the option yes. before Ben Halloran. Um, and I just worry about these, these more experienced players in these scenarios not being able to stand up. And there was a... Uh, an MPL friendly played uh, two nights ago now, I believe, Adelaide United's uh, MPL side. Saturday night, yeah. Against, yeah. Saturday night against FK Beergrad um, at Beergrad, I believe. But it wasn't an MPL squad really because Nick Ansel, Austin Ayubi, Panash Madunya, Harry Vandersag, Luke Dazelle, and Luka Jovanovic all started the game against FK Beergrad from the South Australian National Premier League, were 2 0 down at half time and lost the game 3 1. Grim. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? You give them a G up before the game and you're like, come on, boys, we're faltering in the A-League. Show us. Show us. Give us a reason why you should start. What are you going to do to yep. change it? Bum, bum. That ain't it. A beer guard side who as well, they're like early. Well, they're in their preseason. They're heading into getting ready for games in what, a couple of weeks their season starts, maybe three or four weeks their season starts, I think. So just, yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing, United? Um. I want to fast forward. I don't think we need to talk about the Mork pen. I just, it's a missed pen. It's a bad pen. It is what it is. Um, you could probably have Give a convo it. about who should have taken it, but I don't think you can't really begrudge Mork taking it. I don't think anyone would have nah. leading up nah, to it. It's just that he missed. So it's only hindsight that it gives us that. I want to talk about, so we get this equalizer, Kikiana scores. And now. Congrats to uh, him. I, I don't know. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to really take this. Obviously I don't have any right to tell other people how they're meant to support Adelaide or how they're meant to feel about results. But when this goal went in, my reaction, and I know your, but the two of you, was very, it was very similar. And I was just like, so what? So what? This is Perth and we were 2-0 up. Cool. We've snatched a result. And some of the celebrations we were seeing in the way, I just, I was, I was frustrated. Again, I don't have any right to tell people what to do, but I was very frustrated the way the late equaliser kind of felt like it was like, yeah, we stole a result out of this when we didn't really mm. deserve to. It kind of, it felt like papering over a lot of cracks. Um, there was, I know the players did their walk around after the game. And, you know, usually when they win, we always, we always stick around regardless. The players did their walk around and, you know, it if it was similar to the nights where we win, where heaps of people standing around clapping and cheering them on and stuff. And I just, like, I was just really frustrated, to be honest with you, man. Like, 2-0 up at home to Perth, second bottom, and to just snatch that late equaliser, it just really felt like an undeserved draw. And sure, when we get to the end of the season, um, if it's a point that we need to make finals, I'm going to take that point every day of the week. But at the time, I just couldn't really care for it. It still just felt like a loss to me, and I was mm. I was pretty annoyed by it. It was hollow, undeserved limbs. I think right at the end mm. and in, in any other circumstance, any other season, really, even if we're not doing that well, um, if you get 98th minute equalizer, you're going to go off. But it, I think it does, it, it says a lot more about where our expectations are for this side at the moment in that it didn't invigorate us in any way, given that we were in such a commanding position, we did throw it away. And then to get back that point, it felt undeserved in the end, even though we probably did deserve to win on the balance of the game. Yeah, it's um, it's more temporary paper over some 
some growing, really quickly growing cracks at this football club. And, uh, you know, there's so many people that are just too, too inclined to be blind to that and happy to these things. I think, you know, Mm. might, you know, Vidi potentially hitting the nail on the head consistently. It's that pissant town mentality again is, you know, we didn't win, but Hey, it could have been worse. And, you know, (laughs) you're not winning anything with a mentality like that. It's very South Australia, isn't it? It's almost, it's a, it's a nutshell. It kind of holds us back in a way because we should demand more. We should demand that we are playing at home to Perth and we should win. And if you're 2-0 up, anything other than a win is criminal. Yeah. Very quickly, I don't know if you've got anything else on that game. I'm going to move it on. But um, Sydney away this week, uh, I believe it's a 5.30 Adelaide time, be a 6 o'clock Sydney away over there. We won over there last time, but it's... Is that happening again? What's going on? We just have no idea what to what to predict with this team. A, a lot mm. would have to go right for for us to win this game over there this weekend. Um, one of my biggest disappointments of not beating Perth on the weekend is that Adelaide's next four games all come against sides. It's sitting in the top six right now. So there is not, on paper, there's not a lot of points up for grabs for this team. And, and these are the games that we have to be winning. And I don't see us beating Sydney. And I don't... At the moment, looking at it on paper, we will because it's how the A-League works, but I don't see a scenario True. where we pick up a point at any point in these next four games. Mm, interesting. Fuck, that's grim. God. I haven't looked that far ahead because I went into this Perth game thinking if we didn't, if we lost this, I'm done. I'm tuning out. I'm, I'm no, no more emotional investment in this season. That is it. And I was so close to being relieved of having to watch us lose to Sydney on the weekend. So we've, close. We've heard it many times before, though. I think you've been telling me for <laughs> 10 years you're done with this club, but you keep coming back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, we've talked about this before, but Adelaide uh, last season did this where we'd have a month or two where we look like the worst team in the world. And then we'd have a month where we look like we're the best team in the league, you know? So I could, yeah. Like you said, Cooper, it is the A-League. We probably will manage some sort of result over these next four. But I think if you have to put a positive spin on it, uh, maybe given how even the league really is, if we're playing teams that are above us on the table, that might be better. We need to take points. Not only do we need points, we need to take it off teams that are above us. So maybe that's maybe we can look at that as an opportunity. Who knows? But I'm tipping a, I'm tipping a 4-1 loss to Sydney. Gone big. Ooh. Yeah, they just they belted the Mariners on the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. yeah. Uh, if Pat Wood starts, um, we win. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> the the worst. I'm, I didn't think I was exaggerating at the time. The worst miss I have ever seen in my life. Like it's like Torres against Man United on steroids. Wow, I rate it. Love that call. What's your prediction? Yeah, we lose. I don't know about how much we just lose okay. by a lot. Fair. Yeah, um, we're going to lose this one three one in my head. Um, also thoroughly enjoyed Danny McBreen on comms describing Pat Woods' miss as peak A League. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's gone overground now. There's no that. such thing as peak A League. It's all A League now. There's also a big blue this week, but I don't really talk about it. I just wanted to find a way to somehow squeeze in that Melbourne victory lost to Macarthur this week, and. Uh, CFG got absolutely pumped by Brisbane Raw after last time these two played Cooper. We were in Melbourne and we watched City absolutely dismantled because it was at 7 1. Yep, 7 1. Might have been 8 1. Might have been 8 even. They killed them. And then um, City have lost to them 5 1 this time around. This league is ridiculous. So who it's knows the, what's going to uh, happen? It's I, the Zadkovich uh, effect. 
if I if I can before just quickly before we wrap, I know you want to go for keep it. it as short as we can. Two things I just want to plaster in there from the outside world of the A League as quick as I can. Um, the Wanderers game on the weekend, they played the Newcastle Jets. Um, I believe they drew three all. Um, it was the second consecutive Sunday afternoon game where uh, the game had four score involvements from South Australian players on a weekend when Adelaide United were either pumped by the Central Coast Mariners <laughs> or failed to beat Perth Glory both at home. Um, Lachlan Brook involved in both of those uh, two games across the two Sundays. Um, in his past three A-League men's games, 234 minutes played, five goals, one assist, two key passes and four dribbles completed at a 67% success rate. Um, this is a guy, a 23-year-old winger who returned to Australia from Brentford B, but was involved in a Premier League club setup. And we, he came to Adelaide United and said, I want to come back to Australia and I want to play for Adelaide United. And we turned him away in favour of keeping players such as Bernardo Oliveira, who now six months into an A-League season, we've let walk as we continue to struggle. And this guy is now thriving with the Wanderers. And it's just, I know hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it's so frustrating from a... Side perspective. Can I just ask how we? I'm not being cynical, but how do we know this? How do we know? Like we know that he came back and wanted to join Adelaide. There's a lot of media chatter. Um, he, I believe, there was a point where he personally said that he wanted to come back to Adelaide. Every time he's returned to the A League, now he's preferenced South Australia as a return, obviously just to come home. Um, but yeah, a few few media related friends talking about it on the weekend, saying that mm. obviously Brooke yeah. offered himself up to the club. Um, it so doesn't surprise me at all. Nah, no, no. mine, me neither. Ah, oh, look. I think there's. You can. I can see both sides of this one because he didn't exactly light it up in his last stint with us. I think. No. Like you said, though, I think he was probably always going to be better for it, and I would have rather taken the gamble on him than not. Um, and it's just paying off for West Sydney, I guess. So I enjoy watching him play. I don't mind actually watching West Sydney play. I, does that sound dirty? I don't, I don't yeah. mind watching them. <laughs> the last point that I wanted to make today, while we're on West Sydney. Um, obviously, Marco Rudan had his spit in his press conference last week mm. after a couple of decisions went against them, and there was a, uh, there was a, a stigma against his football club. And stigma. now they've they've uh, had another two red cards on the weekend in a game against the Jets. Um, I don't think they could have any complaints about the Hendricks <laughs> red card, but Tate Russell was seriously hard done by in this incident. He gave away a penalty for some real incidental contact that did not need to be a yellow card. It went to, it wasn't given as a foul in the first place yeah. on the field. The ref went to the, went to the screen, saw that there was a little bit of a nudge, um, Came back, gave the penalty, and randomly flipped a second yellow card to Tate Russell. And it didn't. It wasn't a yellow card. It was stupidly harsh. No. And I think just obviously just coincidental that it's that it's happened to them. But post game, um, Rudan was very quiet on his uh, in his interview after the game. He didn't want to obviously show cause notice given to him. He didn't want to say too much while the the whole process was going. He dropped a few no comments and was smartly asking the uh, reporter what he thought of the incident rather than giving his own thoughts on it. Uh, come on, mate. It's your job um, to answer the questions, not ask them. Paul, yeah, that's Paul, what I thought. Paul Ladera, the chairman of Western Sydney Wanderers, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but uh, used his access all areas pass to march himself out of the grandstand down onto the pitch at the end of this game and proceeded to follow the officials down the tunnels, spraying abuse at them. And we're not... <laughs> We're not letting this happen, are we? We're not letting. We can't be. We're not letting chairman walk onto the pitch at the end of a football game, and uh, 
and abuse referees. And uh, I quote Antonis all the time, but a, a popular and a great tweet is, are we allowing club chairman to enter the field and have a go at refs now? The second yellow for Russell was harsh, but it was the only mistake made by the refs today. Hendricks deserved a red. And once again, the Wanderers concede heavy goals against a poor team. It's probably time to just start looking in the mirror. Yeah, 100%. You can't, because the next step after letter following refs down the tunnel is fans coming onto the pitch and following. Cause this is, this is all it's doing is it's whipping up. And like, I think Rudan's trying to do it in a way that gets Western Sydney fans into the stadium and create a hostile environment. I think well, the, um, if I can cut you there, the RBB mm. as the final whistle went, uh, unveiled a banner that said Marco Rudan leading by example. And I just, I, I don't think this is, he might be leading by example, but the example is a quite poor one. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, the way that he invokes the idea that there's a bias, a specific bias against Western Sydney uh, is just ridiculous because what you what we're looking for is a united group of coaches or officials to coming out and saying, yeah, we're not getting these decisions correct. We're going to try and uh, rectify this. The officiating but, isn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's it. And if you get a few coaches standing side by side, not saying there's some kind of weird conspiracy against any one club, it's just that, yeah, everyone gets fucked over because our officials are poor. Yeah. But the way that he's doing it, I just, it looks like it's going to snowball into something bad. And in Australia now, after what the Victory fans did a few seasons ago, you actually can't think that, you know, that'll never happen because it, it could well happen. Yeah. Grim stuff. Might be a great place to leave it. It's been another grim week uh, for... Adelaide United and for Adelaide United fans, I guess, uh, fingers crossed it gets better this week. But with Sydney, I'm not really sure. We gave our predictions already. Um, happy three years to us. Three years of doing the pod, Tommy. Cooper's aboard oh, now as well. Yeah. Let's go. We've got a Euro episode out, episode 140, I want to say. Four? Four? I reckon 144. 144. That, that means I need to go back and re-record an intro because I called it episode 143. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um <laughs> No, I'll just leave it. Fuck it. Who cares? No one's going to Fuck it. No one's counting. Yeah, who cares? All right. We'll see you next week. Go the Reds. Fingers crossed. Something better.